I invite you to take your Bibles and open to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. Um, we're in the midst of a sermon series on the Ten Commandments, and today we're in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. So just kind of remind you of where we've been so far to get to this point. In our first sermon in this series, we reminded ourselves that the Lord God called the people out of Egypt and he did that work of leading them out, not so that they could then go out and live whatever life they wanted to live, but he set them free that they may go and serve him. In a similar manner, the Lord has redeemed us from our slavery to sin and death, not that we can just go out and live however we would like, but that we might be slaves to righteousness now. So our heart's desire now is to serve the Lord who has set us free. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the idea that there's only one God, we can have no other gods before the Lord. And in times where we've got a lot, when there's times of plenty, we're prone to forget the Lord. Or when we're in a difficult time, to maybe not believe that the Lord alone is our hope and our strength. So we talked about the importance of looking to Him alone. And then last week we looked at the importance of not creating idols for ourselves. That we have to know the Lord as He's revealed Himself to us in Scripture and not just what we make up in our minds. And that ultimately the clearest picture of who God is, is who he's revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the importance of not misusing the Lord's name. So Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the most nerve-wracking things that one can do in life is to name another human being. And when you have a child and you're faced with this task of, we have to call this person by some name. And there's it's kind of interesting, sometimes couples struggle with this so mightily that they even get to the point where they're about to check them out of the hospital and the, the doctors and the nurses are like, all right, you got to give us something. Like, what are we going to call this person when they leave here? And if you've ever been through that experience of trying to name another person, maybe you understand, like, there's a sense of gravity and weight to it. Like, they're going to go out in the world and forever be called this. Their first day of college. The professor's going to stand up and say, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, in front of everybody. And people take different strategies for naming their children. Some people pass down family names. And that's what we've chosen to do is, uh, in the Splon house. And so we've reached back in our genealogy and we pulled out these names. And we've named our kids some family name. Now, my grandmother on my dad's side, let me tell you her name. Her name was Doris Lenora. In our mercy, we did not name any of our children Lenora. But we had Ellen and Lenora, and we just made it Eleanor. So we kind of worked it in kind of sneakily, right? But it, it has meaning to us because it reminds us of or represents important people in our lives that we've then passed on. I told everybody in the first service, one person who's done this and their families continue to is Grantland Rice. I think they're on like number seven or six now. 
It's going to confuse them when I meet the Grantland Rices, what number we're on. But, but for their family, that name is important, and so they've continued to pass it on throughout generations. Other people, I've noticed, pick a letter of the alphabet, and then all of their children are going to be named something that begins with that first letter. It's the same. So maybe you're Carl and your, wife, your sister's Cassandra, and then you get the idea, right? You just pass it on down from that letter. But here's the thing that I think is somewhat interesting. As is often the case, we kind of focus on the part that ultimately is not as important. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 22, verse 1, he says, A great name is to be valued over great treasure. And we know that what he's saying there is not saying that picking the right name is to be valued over great treasure, but it's, it's the life that someone lives that then gives meaning to that name that they've been given. That's what matters ultimately in the end. And as someone who stands up in front of people and says names a lot, I really know how important our names are to each other. Sometimes when I get over here in the baptistry and I walk out to the front, I always tell the baptismal candidates or I ask them, are you nervous? And they're like, yeah, I'm nervous. Like, me too. I just hope I call you Jane. Right? I just hope I have it right in my head because it matters. Or when you're doing a wedding, I haven't done this yet. I say, yeah, it might happen. You're like, everybody else in the congregation knows that you're, that you're measure, marrying Bill and Susan, but you're marrying Will and Susan, you know, that kind of thing. But, but names matter to us. And one of the places where I have the most sense of gravity of getting the name right is in a memorial service. When we've come to the end of someone's life and we're trying to encapsulate at least some picture of who they are or who they were, it really is that from their birth to their death, they've given this name meaning in our minds that's significant. It's a sacred moment. We want to say, who was this person? And what did they do and what did they accomplish in life that gives that name meaning? Now, in a similar way, you and I learn a lot about the Lord when we think about the Lord's name. That God's name ultimately reflects who he is and what he's done for us. So that that bigger than the letters that are put together to spell Lord or God is this revelation of who God is that gives that name such meaning in our lives. And one of the really interesting passages in all scripture kind of around this theme is in Exodus chapter 3. How many of you remember this story? Moses is out in the wilderness He's tending the flock, and he comes across what? You know this. A burning bush, but it's not consumed. And he hears this voice calling out to him, and there's this warning. You're standing on holy ground. And he has this conversation with this voice from the burning bush. And the voice of God tells him to do something that is pretty crazy. He says, uh, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world, and I want you to lead my people out of slavery. 
And do you remember what Moses said in response? He says, um, when I go back, who should I say sent me? They're going to want a name. Like, who is it that's told me this in the wilderness? And listen to what God says in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. But don't you, wouldn't you like to go back in time and to see Moses' expression when he first hears this? Just go tell him I am who I am. Okay, Roger that. Um, it could also be translated, I am who I will be. So it's, it's the idea that, that Moses, I'm going to give you a name in a minute, but really the essence of who I am is going to be seen in what I do. You're going to get to know me by how I work among you to deliver you from slavery in Egypt. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, if you are following along in a Bible, which I always encourage you to do, don't trust me that I'm telling you anything true if it's not in the Bible. But if you're following along with me in the Bible, Lord there, what's distinctive about it in your text? It's all caps. Now, that is for you a clue that something significant is happening here, okay? That in the rest of your Bible, you may see the Lord somewhere spelled just capital L, lowercase o, lowercase r, lowercase d. But this word, all caps, Lord, is is the personal name of God whereby which he revealed himself to his people. And I was talking to Fallon in between. Fallon is a faithful seminary student. I used to be one of those at one point in my past. I had a class on Hebrew. Let me just tell you, part of your sanctification is taking Hebrew in seminary. Some people like Amy like it, but I did not. So you read from back, it's backwards, friends. It's from right to left. Really kind of had to go back and add vowels. But if you transliterate it, it would be for us Y-H-W-H. Okay, And they really have to guess on what the vowels are, which kind of blows my mind just a little bit. We don't know. We had to go back and add vowels so we could pronounce it. But that name became so significant to the people of Israel that, that they wouldn't say it on their lips. They might just say the name, or they might say Adonai. But they wouldn't say the name of the Lord because for them it was so significant and so holy and set apart that you just don't say it. And Moses says, I mean, the Lord says to Moses, go back, tell them that Adonai, the Lord, has sent you. And really, you're going to see who I am by what I'm about to do for you in redeeming you and setting you free from slavery in Egypt. When you get to the Ten Commandments, I think it's significant that one of the Ten Commandments is that the Lord says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Or other translations may say, you may not take the name of the Lord in vain. 
There's a couple of ways that you can take the Lord's, Lord's name in vain, at least. One of them kind of became this practice that if I was making a promise to you, I would swear by something greater than myself. So maybe I would say, hey, I promise I'm going to do this for you. And then I would swear by the name of the Lord to kind of hold me accountable, give it validity, back it up, that if I'm bold enough to say I'm going to do this and I'm going to swear in the name of the Lord that I'm going to do this, then there is this sense of gravity to it that, that I feel compelled now I have to follow through on that. But you can imagine what happened over time. It kind of just became this word. Kind of just became this like, nah, I'll throw this on there, something I'm swearing by. But there was no real meaning to it and kind of just, they would say things. Swear by the Lord that I'll do this with no real intention to do it. Another way that I think we take the Lord's name in vain or misuse it is when we identify ourselves as the people of God but that, that idea or that bearing God's name really doesn't have significance to us either. And so then we just kind of go out and live however we would like to live with no sense of the significance that we are God's people in the world. And there is this huge blessing, this huge grace and mercy that God's allowed us to, to bear his name out in the world. And the Israelites ultimately got to a point where they didn't keep this commandment very well. They didn't honor the Lord's name as holy. They did take it in vain, both in what they said and how they lived. But they kind of thought they would always get off scot-free. They're like, we got the temple. We got the Lord's name. Like, nothing really is going to ultimately happen to us. And they were in for a rude awakening eventually God's judgment came upon them. And this idea of honoring the Lord's name has been one this week that honestly is really, what's the right word? I've really just been reminded of how I can be careless and miss out on the significance of God's name in my life. And how when I devalue the importance of the Lord and what I say often enough ultimately shapes my heart and then it ultimately shapes how I live, that, that I can really get to a point where I am guilty, I think, of taking the Lord's name in vain. Not because I say whatever curse word you kind of have in your mind for that, which that's the thing too. But even more deeply than that, not setting apart setting apart the Lord as holy in my life, and thinking about this great privilege it is to know him and to live for him. Now, every week in the contemporary service, we pray. And we pray a particular prayer, don't we? What do we call it? The Lord's Prayer. And I love it when I see things in the Old Testament that are still important in the New Testament, lines of continuity. And when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, what did he, at the very beginning, top of the list, what's the first petition that we make of the Lord? That the Lord's name would be what? Hallowed. Which just means that the Lord's name would be set apart as holy or the Lord's name would be reverenced in our lives. 
So that importance of us not taking the Lord's name for granted, not taking it in vain, flows through both the Old Testament and the New Testament because I think the Lord Jesus also knew that as you and I get familiar with the name of God, as we begin comfortable with who he is and what he's done for us, the familiarity that we have with him can sometimes breed even borderline contempt in our lives. And so the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's tough growing up in a preacher's house. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard. The other night we were praying for our food, and May started out her really cute blessing. It really is cute. She sings this song of blessing, and I just kind of said, Hey, May, shh. Just, just for a minute, like let's just remember that that name is so special. She wasn't being irreverent, but just trying to teach her that as we use the Lord's name, it's so important for us to set him and who he is apart as special in our lives. And maybe you're like me. I, I told the first service that I'm definitely becoming the old man, get off my lawn kind of guy. So I know it. Okay, I admit it to you. But it does seem to me that in our world, it's, it's, it's really increasingly, maybe, again, I'm just getting old and I'm paying attention to it. I don't know. That there's so little in our world that we really set apart as sacred and holy and special. That it can be easy to just kind of talk about God in a generic, like not meaningful way or talk about Jesus in a way that his name just kind of rolls off our lips, but we don't think about the significance of who he is. And maybe for you, maybe you need that reminder this week as well, that, that who God is and the way that he's revealed himself to us by his personal name and then now fully in the person of Jesus, that as we say his name and as we seek to live for him, there ought to be Perhaps not to the degree that we would never say his name. But this idea that, that when we talk about the Lord, it's important. And the way that we talk about him over time shapes our heart and our understanding of who he is and the privilege it is to live for him. Now, in the book of Philippians, Paul does this really great thing as he's talking about Jesus. Okay, And perhaps even as I was reading this passage, you were already thinking about Philippians chapter 2. But listen to what Paul says when he talks about Jesus and Jesus' name and how it is or why it is that Jesus' name is to be reverenced in our lives. Verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the what? The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he talks about Jesus 
and he talks about his name. And it's not so much J-E-S-U-S that is the most significant thing about the name of Jesus, but he says the reason that you and I humble, humbly come before him and worship him, the reason why he's exalted is because of the what he has done to make himself known or reveal himself to us. And he says, the reason that Jesus' name is significant and ought to be honored or hallowed in our lives is that he, as the preexistent Son of God, did what? Humbled himself by taking on flesh and being made just like you and me. And he became obedient to the Father's will, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. You and I, when we read that, we should say, I was in the CLC recently, just this past week. We had this big football kickoff, kind of ministries kickoff, and there's all these fun decorations in the CLC. But I I was working out one morning, and I happened to walk out, and there's this, like, banners, and there's a cross on, like, every little triangle. It just occurred to me, like, that the cross sometimes loses its significance for us because we become so accustomed to it. So in my mind, I just pictured an electric chair up there. Just kind of the, the significance of what Jesus did in being executed publicly in a humiliating way on our behalf. And Paul says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In response, what did God do? Therefore, he's exalted him above every other name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reason that Jesus' name is significant to us is not just because it's a name, but through his life and his death and his resurrection, he revealed what kind of Savior he is for us. And so now in response We ought to more so, I think, when we say the name of Jesus, it ought to be for us really an act of worship in this sense of, wow, God has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. I want to give you one verse in closing, Colossians chapter 3. Well, two verses and a challenge, Colossians 3. Paul writes, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, all right, I want you to think about your week coming up. I'm just going to give you a minute. Whatever you do, what are you going to do this week? Whatever you do in word and in deed, so whatever you're going to say this week, and whatever actions you're going to take, whatever it is that you're going to do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Think about how it might change your week. If you think about everything that you do this week and everything that you say, doing it not just kind of in your own power or in your own flesh, 
But think about everything that you say and everything that you do this week being done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And maybe for you, you'll be like me, just just being reminded that how we talk about the Lord shapes our hearts and our understanding of him. And it shapes how we live in the world. And there really is this great privilege that God's given us to go out and live in such a way that others might see the Lord in our actions and in our words and hopefully be drawn to him. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we do pray that you would give us a renewed reverence for who you are and for all that you've done for us. Lord, maybe in the places where we've become complacent or taken you for granted, we pray that you would remind us anew of the significance of who you are and the way that you revealed yourself to us, not just in a name, but through your actions, for your redemptive works on our behalf. And we thank you that you've most fully reveal yourself to us in the person of Jesus. And we pray that our hearts would be moved to worship you and that you would give us a sense of the privilege and the responsibility it is this week to go out into the world and to to bear your name to others. We know we need your grace and we know we need your mercy to do that. And we offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.